0: post tenebros Lux. After darkness, light. That was the rallying cry of the Protestant Reformation. In the 16th century, the medieval church turned off the light of the gospel. And the blackness of heresy and immorality pervaded her walls. And the church became lost, became lost in themselves. And the doctrines of salvation and worship and the Christian life became man controlled and man centered. And without the light stumbling in the darkness, the people of God fell into utter despair until the light was turned back on. When the Reformers rediscovered God's word, they rediscovered God's word and they placed the word of God center stage in worship. And the entire Christian life was then controlled by God and Christ-centered. And the grace of God flowed freely as it once had during the apostolic church. And the glory of God spread like a wildfire throughout the land in celebration of the light. post Tenebros. Lux, after darkness, light. 1 Samuel 3 is post-Tenebrox, Lux. In 1 Samuel 3, the word of the Lord was rare in Israel. We read chapter 3, verse 1. Now the young man Samuel, Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare. Highlight that. The Lord was rare in those days. And there was no frequent vision. Now, frequent vision, visions... Like the word, were revelations in the Old Testament. And like revelations in the Old Testament, they were like the word. And the point being, the church in this Old Testament Israel was without the word of God. Tenebras. It was darkness. The word was rare in those days, and that is bad news. Now, why was the word rare? Why was the word rare? Before I answer that question, I must answer the previous statement. Why is not having the word bad news? I mean, what's the big deal with God's word? We give a lot of lip service in our church to sola scriptura, Bible alone. But what's the big deal with the Bible? What's so important about the Bible? To answer that question, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, everything visible and invisible. How did he create that word? God spoke. He said. And his word created life. And so Jesus himself said that he spoke the words of life the word of life. So necessary was the word for Jesus that he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of the Lord. Paul makes such a big deal of the Bible that he said that it makes Christians. He said it keeps Christians. He basically said we're bread of the word, we're fed of the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. The Bible is so important. Job said, I have treasured the words of the Lord more than my portion of food. You see, the Bible means to the Christian, it's more to us. It means more to us than our daily bread, for it is life itself. You see, without the word, we don't even have our only comfort in life and in death, our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Without the Bible, we are without Christ. We are without hope. We are without life, eternal life. So when it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days, that's the worst news ever. Now the question, why was God's word rare? Because this was the time of the judges where we read in the Judges that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In their own eyes means they forsook God's word. It's God's people living their own way. They didn't want God's word, so God didn't give them God's word. And when the word is absent, when God's people don't have the word of God, that is actually God's judgment against his own people. Without the word, not having the word is judgment. Listen to Amos 8.11. The prophet writes in Amos 8.11, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. With Yahweh... Withdrew the light of his word so that Israel might wander in darkness. Now, let me ask you a question. How do we find God in the darkness? You don't. Rather, you get lost more and more as you follow someone else who's equally lost. They think they know the way. That's man-made religion. They think they know the way, but all they are doing is getting you lost more and more in yourself. And so it's a religion all about me, my best life now. They'll even write books about your best life. And it will become all about you. Are you busy enough? Have you withdrew from the world enough? Have you done enough? Man, are you really feeling it? Man, are you really feeling it in worship? Are you feeling good about yourself? Are you ready to change the world? Have you ever asked yourself why do we believe what we believe? Like serious, that's a good question. Why do we believe what we believe? And why do we worship the way we worship? Have you ever thought, I need to ask pastor, why are we liturgical? Why are we doing these things? Why are these movements? Why are these practices? Why do I live my Christian life the way I live my Christian life? You need to ask yourself those questions. And if your answers don't come from the Bible alone, then the word of God will be rare in your life. Verse 2, at that time, Eli, whose eyesight he begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. Now, there's, there's some background information here, but it's more than old age. These verses, these next two verses are laden with spiritual symbolism, and the spiritual symbolism is relevant for what follows. You see, age had taken Eli's sight. But spiritually, his eyes had grown dim way before this time period because he was without God's word. And without God's word, as a minister, he was leading the congregation of the Lord into darkness, tenebros. It was darkness. He's in his own place, doing his own thing. But the light of the Reformation was burning, verse 3. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Yes, it's talking about, it's pre-dawn. Literally, it's, it's early in the morning, but spiritually, read it. <laughs> the lamp of God had not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark was. Eli is lost in darkness in his own place, but here's Samuel by the light of the Lord, close to the Lord, as close as you can get, next to the ark of God that is he's he's near to God and he will therefore be close to God and close to his word that is God doesn't leave his church to the darkness no in every age God raises up faithful men who will accurately handle God's word and accurately give it to God's people You see, the darkness of heresy and immorality, it's always ever creeping. And it's always ever creeping and infiltrating the church. And so the church needs to stand. We're always going to need Reformation, people. We're always going to be needing to be reformed according to the word. Semper Reformanda. That's another slogan of the Reformation or from the Reformation time, period. Semper Reformanda. Always reforming. We need to be always reforming. Now, always reforming doesn't mean innovation. It doesn't mean that our doctrine and our theology should be changing. It doesn't mean that our worship should adjust to the times and to the culture. No, novelty is the darkness. Contemporary is the evil of our age in the church today. You see, Christianity is old, the faith once and for all delivered. It's historic. Our faith must be Catholic. It needs to be founded on God's word. Therefore, our church and the church should be old-timey. Old-timey religion, we used to say back in my Southern Baptist days. Old-timey. But not old-timey as in 50 years ago. Old-timey as in 2,000 years ago. Semper Reformanda, reforming to the Word of God and the Word of God alone. And every age must affirm our ancient standards and now we may be tempted to think, well, pastor, yeah, the word of God was rare in those days. They didn't have the closed canon. But look, I got the whole Bible. We got the Bible. Now, the Bible, the word of God's not rare in our church. It can't be. It can't be rare. We got the Bible. But just because the church has the word doesn't mean she has the word. Jesus said there will be those coming who will have no ears to hear. Paul said there will be those who mishandle the word to tickle our ears. Tickle our ears with ourselves, probably, with the darkness. And so the, rare, the word of God is rare. It can be rare even when we have the word because we don't receive it. It's rare because we don't want it or we don't make time for it. We don't receive it. We don't hear it. Starvation may come from the absence of, absence of food. Starvation may come from the absence of food, but also from lack of appetite. I just don't want to eat. And probably the thing that I see that's the greatest struggle today is we may starve, and we're starving because we're just too lazy to prepare ourselves for the meal. You see, darkness follows a lack of discipline. Is that a dirty word? Should I not have said that? Discipline? No, the Christian life is discipline. (laughs) Hoorah. That's right. No, it's discipline. It's preparing ourselves. Preparing rightly for the word. Preparing in prayer. Preparing our hearts and our lives to receive the word. Maybe getting up early in the morning before the Lord's Day. Preparing our hearts for Lord's Day. Maybe going to bed early enough so we get a good night's rest for the Lord's day. Single people, young people that like to stay up late at night, you got church in the morning. Discipline our week, prayer, raising our children in the Lord, raising them in the word. Perhaps the word is rare in your life because you don't make time for it. And also the church is to blame. Contemporary churches focus too much on social reformation, social change, and social activities. In all her protests, programs, and possibilities of making a Christian nation and a Christian employment, they've left behind the Word of God and all of these things, the programs, the protests, the possibilities, they've eclipsed the place of the Word of God. And so perhaps the Word is rare because we're too busy to simply sit and receive the word of the Lord. You see, friends, there's no greater blessing and sure sign of God's grace than the church gathering to hear the preaching of the word. And this is the truth of 1 Samuel 3. The truth of the word, the truth is that we need the light of God's word, for without it, we're in darkness. And so the Lord calls to Samuel, verse 4. The Lord called Samuel. He said, here I am, and he ran to Eli. He said, here I am, and We know, and the Lord keeps calling him, and he, and he keeps getting lost thinking that Eli's calling him, but he, he hasn't heard the word of the Lord, verse 7 says, because he did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, it's a kind of a confusing passage, maybe, perhaps, because you've been seeing that Samuel's been ministering before the Lord, We've been reading how he's ministering to the Lord. How does it now say that he doesn't know the Lord? He doesn't know the Lord in this sense. He did not know the Lord, that phrase, is in parallel with the phrase, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed. Therefore, to know the Lord is to know The Lord as he is revealed in his word. He did not yet know the Lord as the Lord is revealed in his word. And that's how we come to know the Lord. Through his word. Thus to know the Lord means to know God as he's revealed in his word. Post Tenebrox, Lux, after darkness, light, the word of God was coming to Samuel. The calling of Samuel is his calling to be sent. He is calling and he is equipping his minister to be sent to preach the word, to fight against the darkness. Verse 10, and the Lord came and stood calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and this time because of Eli, he knows to listen. He says, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. So the Lord brought the word to Samuel, Samuel received it, and it's a tingling word, (laughs) and it's a tingling word because it's a harsh word, verse 12, on that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And that's from the previous chapter, where the man of God came and brought the word of condemnation against Eli's false ministry and his family, his family that were uh, not handling God's word rightly. And then he says, and I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. That's a chilling passage, especially for a minister. Eli's ministry was so grievous, his sin so grievous that no sacrifice could atone for it forever. That is a strong warning to ministers to do sola scriptura in your ministry. That's a strong warning to ministers to stick to the word of God alone. I read that and I I get a little nervous. I get that and I don't want to do programs. I don't want to do protests. I don't want to go try to make our world better. I want to dig into God's word and make sure I'm giving you God's word and that is true. And I want to cling to this word. And I want to cling to a tradition that holds fast to the word of God alone. And it should be a warning to us all as this church that we belong to church and to a church that holds rightly the word of God. Because there is a word of condemnation for those who do not minister and handle the word of God, the darkness. And God will bring his light and his light will destroy the darkness. Verse 15, Samuel lay until morning. Now, this next clause, this next statement is is also laden with spirituality. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. So here's Samuel with the Lord next to the Lord, receiving the word of the Lord. And the next morning, the doors of the church sprung open. This is the dawn of reformation. (laughs) Reformation is coming to Israel because the man of God is about to step out of those doors with the word of God. Samuel knew the Lord. He knew the word. He was coming out of the church. He's ushering in a new era, post-Tenobrox Lux. Darkness after darkness, here comes the light. It's the dawn of the Reformation. It's going out against the darkness. Such glorious truth. And Samuel, bold. No. (laughs) And Samuel was afraid. (laughs) Here's the great Reformation text. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. I have to tell you, being a minister is not easy. Well, preaching the gospel is easy. It's easy to pre- preach peace. I love preaching the gospel is easy, but the word is also judgment. You know, the word instructs, but it also rebukes. The word comforts, but it also chastens. The Bible's law and gospel. And a minister has to live within the tension of law and gospel. But some ministers will cower to the tension or, or fall to the tension and they'll preach only peace, peace, when there is no peace. And it makes you wonder, do they know the holiness of God? Do they know the wrath of God? Do they know the judgment of God? But on the other hand, there are ministers who only preach hellfire. And then you have to wonder, do they know mercy? Do they know the gospel? We need a ministry that, is, that does both parts and does them both well. Ministers who live under a certain tension who preached the law and the gospel, that his ministers must afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Now, I don't want to preach hell. I never want to preach hell. I'm not, I, I don't want to be a hellfire preacher, but I want to preach all of the word of God. And so, I will be a hellfire preacher from time to time. As I preach God's word, judgment will come to God's people, reckoning, rebuke. Calls to obedience. And the church must receive the law and the gospel. Verse 16. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Underline this. Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide any from, anything from me. All that he told you. So Samuel told him everything. And he had nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Here's Eli, humbling himself before the Lord. It is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. This text is a model of the ministry of the word and sacraments. You as a church must demand from me as your ministry that I hide nothing that I reveal to you everything in God's word. You demand it from your church. You demand it from your ministry. We want to hear God's word, all of it. And then that minister, the ministry, must preach to you the full counsel of the word of God. And then you as a church and you as the people of God must humbly accept it. And even if that word goes against your tradition, Even if that word goes against your commandments, if that word goes against your opinions, your preferences, your ideas, if it stands against you, you submit to that word. You humble yourself to the Lord. We don't submit to our feelings. We submit to the word of God. That's reformation. And Samuel grew, verse 19. And the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. His word was true, and he preached it mightily. And when it means by it didn't fall to the ground, that means Israel received it. It didn't fall because the Israelites were in the darkness, and they heard the word, they saw the light, and they moved towards the light, and they received the word of God. It's Reformation time. Like in 16, like 500 years ago. There's reformation throughout scripture, reformation throughout church history. We need modern reformation. You see, God calls, He ordains, equips, He sends ministers. And all Israel from Dan to Bersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. And the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. That's reformation. Underline that, by the word of the Lord. that's Reformation. By the word of the Lord. And so the church must fill our lives with the Word. and when the church fills our lives with the world, with the Word, we have Reformation. And when that word is centered on Christ, we have revival. Now what's interesting here, is since Moses, Moses is the last prophet we've seen as we've been working our way through the Bible. If you work your way from Torah to Samuel, S- Samuel's the very, very first prophet since Moses. Moses. And then Moses predicted, listen to Deuteronomy 18.15. This is a prophecy of the Lord. Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. And that's like me's Moses. This is Moses speaking. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And here's Samuel, the first prophet since Moses. And we might be tempted to think, this is the prophet. But Samuel's not this prophet. But he begins the first line of succession of prophets that points to Jesus Christ the last prophet of God. And Jesus Christ is the last prophet of God, knew the word because he was the word, knew God because he was close to God, closer than Samuel, at the right hand of the Father. And through Christ, we have seen the glory of God, full of grace and truth. And in Christ, we have the light. Let's conclude here with Hebrews. If you your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews. We're almost done. That's the minister's way of saying i got 20 more minutes to go. Because now we're going to exegete another passage of Scripture. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. You see, in Christ, God speaks to you. And he speaks to you. Chapter 2, verse 10. Grace. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation. Perfect through suffering. You see, our glory is the cross. And at the cross, God revealed his justice. God reveals his holiness on the cross by condemning his own son. But in that same cross, he reveals his mercy for crucifying his son for a wretch like me. And on that day when Christ suffered and died, the day become dark. You know the story in the Gospels? Darkness, and he died, and he was buried. But then light, he rose again on the third day. And now that light of eternal life shines upon all those who believe. Post Tenebras lux. That's the gospel. After darkness, light. Do you believe this word? If you do believe this word too, you are no longer dead in your trespasses and sins. For Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so Christ's blood, his word, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. For his blood cries out to all his people, redemption. In Christ, you have freedom, and you have freedom to follow His Word in His Word alone. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.